welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicast.com my name is abhishek and this issue story is about one of the biggest and oldest companies from india and one of the most respected ones that is tata steel and joining me over the call to talk about it is the author of the story senior assistant editor prince thomas good morning prince Good morning Abhishek good to hear from you thank you and regular listeners might wonder if you have some kind of a fascination with the tatas we had spoken about the tata trust which was on the cover not too long ago and uh, you've been doing right. stories on on the tatas very often there was there was one on mr arun lala as your headline suggested he was the man for whom ratan tata holds the door open <laughs> what is the fascination prince there is a past fascination but there are a lot of reasons for it i mean can't help it that they are the like you said one of the most respected companies and uh, groups in india and then they are the largest and most often the best also in their field so as a reporter if you are covering a sector you just can't help it but track them so i think it's part of a <laughs> the job maybe just incidental so and what does this cover story have up its sleeve what does it talk about it talks about india's like you rightly said one of the oldest companies tata steel it's a 106 year old company at the same time it's at the present one of the most challenging times for the company given its operations in india in europe in southeast asia and apart from the severe economic conditions at the same time there's a lot happening within the company in terms of leadership transition they are executing india's largest industrial project in kalinganagar in orisha and at the same time they are trying to make good of their acquisition in europe which remains the largest acquisition for an indian company the 13 billion dollar acquisition of course a lot happening within tata steel and it's one of the most important times for them and the future very much depends upon how they handle this one next one two years right how does the company fare when we put this in context to the world steel industry which is a little wobbly at the moment because recently there was so much news about companies like arcelor mittal for instance having problems to close down its plants i think it was in luxembourg yes. because of some union troubles yes. and last month the world's second largest mining company uh, rio tinto if i'm pronouncing it right they they announced a write down exactly. of their assets in mozambique big companies are facing some hard times so given this where is tata steel on the map two biggest consumers of steel are auto sector and the construction sector and all across the developed markets be it the us or europe both these sectors are pretty soft right now and that's why most of the steel companies like you said led by arcelor mittal are facing tough times most of them have been announcing write downs that run into billions and just as the mining company so what happens there sorry to cut you in from a layman's sure, perspective sure. what is a write down even arcelor mittal did that recently a write down of billions right. of dollars so why does it do it so it does it because the valuation that it used to have it's no mm-hmm. longer there because see when mittal acquired arcelor in 2006 there was a value that was put on the company now over the years because of the low demand now the capacity utilization has come down there are debts on the book many of the units are not functioning they've been either been shut down or sold or divested so the value for the company is not the same as it used to be there is a goodwill value to it it's not tangible but at the same time it also has an impact on the financial valuation of a company and the company after a long stretch of poor financial results and that's when they bring down the value of the goodwill so an analyst is expecting a write down from tata steel also which could run into at least couple of billions so that could be another blow for the company and how is the company doing given that it is the biggest contributor the whole of tata empire 
and it has a legacy which goes back to jamshed ji tata is it it definitely is not a panic situation but you mentioned that there are many challenges so on a scale of 1 to 5 where does the company stand from your perspective if we if we just take its indian operations i think out of 5 one would give them 4 and a half or something because you're just looking at the jamshedpur units right now and they remain one of the most profitable units they are one of the lowest cost producers in the world and it's a cash cow for them but they are not just now in jamshedpur they are in europe they are in southeast asia and you have this mammoth steel plant coming up so when you take all that into account then it's a completely different picture and tell us about this mammoth steel plant it's 7 billion dollar investment in kalina nagar you said you've been there three times before we started recording this so just tell us what is the project like what are the ambitions and how is it on ground when you go to a, a, a greenfield plant as big as that i first went there in 2009 and uh, this is the time when there was a lot of protests that were happening on the ground the natives were protesting the plant and if you remember in 2006 there was a police firing in which at least 13 natives were killed so it was a very challenging time for tata steel at the same time there was similar situation in which other companies were also in like vedanta resources which had its mining project in niyamgiri and posco with its steel project in another in odisha itself In 2011 when I went back the things had changed with Tata Steel because they've been able to win over the inhabitants there and they had acquired land the rehabilitation program was on resettlement program was on at the same time when I went back this time the whole appearance of the place had completely changed because there was a whole buzz in the air you know a lot of vehicles flying on the road there are almost 30000 workers on site right now and you have this huge stream of vehicles materials people you have 100 meter high trains working chimneys mushrooming around you and the steel unit has huge structures i mean the various segments towards steel operation from a power plant to areas where they handle the raw materials like iron ore and coal which is basic raw material to make steel so it's a huge operation spread across large tracts of land and this time you could see that the skyline itself had changed because the chimneys were coming up the huge units blast furnace was coming up the sinter plants were coming up so a completely a, a complete change from the last time that i had gone there. and during these times the new soon to be man in charge at tata steel will be mr kaushik chatterjee and i i quote from your article long back last year you had said that if chatterjee does make it his selection will break the tradition of having pure operations guy as a managing director let me just first make this note that the company has not made a formal announcement till now we we could still have a twist at the end of the tale but from all accounts it looks like the next managing director for tata steel would be kaushik chatterjee who is the group cfo right now kaushik if he does make it to the chair it's a completely break from tradition for tata steel because if you look at his four predecessors from time of jj rani to before him mr modi after that muthuraman and the present incumbent uh, mr nerulkar all of them have been engineers who have worked on the shop floors they were operations guys kaushik on the other hand is a chartered accountant is known for his financial acumen and he sits out of bombay house not from jamshedpur which has been the power center so called practically the headquarters for tata steel 
till now. And he is very young. He is just 44, as old as uh, Mr. Silas Mistry, the chairman of Tata Sons. And the way these two function would very much determine how Tata still fares through this uh, very challenging period. And talking about transitions, uh, the biggest acquisition of Tata Steel acquiring Chorus and the marriage wasn't quite a successful one at the beginning. So what were a couple of things that went wrong and how did they fix it or what is the current situation rather? Unfortunately for Tata Steel when they acquired Chorus, the company was doing well because that was 2007 and there was a commodity boom. Because I say unfortunately because when things are going well you tend to overlook if there's any problem within the company. And that's what exactly happened almost two years later when the economy tank demand went down. And then I think people started noticing the inherent challenges within Chorus, which is now known as Tata Steel Europe. Uh, the company Tata Steel has been trying to fix it, but even as we speak now, it's far from being fixed. A lot of improvement programs that are being implemented right now in Tata Steel Europe, but it remains to be seen how they would fare. Kaushik also says that within two years, Sarasil will be in a much improved position and visible improvements would be seen uh, once the economy kind of catches up and the demand improves. And even if the demand improves, uh, Pins, how does a player in the steel industry uh, differentiate himself? It's a commodity, steel, after all. And when you have world-class producers like you have ArcelorMittal, SR Steel, Sale, these are your competitors. So how does one differentiate oneself? It can't just be quality or price. Like you said, just making commodity-grade steel won't do because there are many, many people who are doing it. But some of the finest steel makers in the world, especially the Japanese and South Korean steel makers, have differentiated because they have made this high-margin steel, which is completely customized to their clients' requirements. So who are the clients here? These are the auto guys. Then there are the construction guys. And when you look at a car, a high-end car like a Volvo or a Volkswagen or a BMW Audi, these car makers have very strict regulations in terms of the steel that they use. And for a steel maker, you make the transition from a commodity steel to a value-added steel if you start supplying to clients like them. And that's what the best steel makers in the world have been doing. The problem for Tata Steel Europe has been that they have been focusing more on the construction-grade steel uh, and not on the auto-grade. And in Europe, the auto industry is much larger than the construction sector. And that's why Tata Steel Europe has mostly lost out on that growth. And that's why you see the emphasis on flat steel, which is auto-grade steel here in Odisha also for Tata Steel, because they want to get into that high-value-added steel, which is more profitable and much more cash-generating. So the differentiator surely would be the kind of specialized steel that one makes. And the final question, what is the forecast of the company in the, in the coming year or so? Historically, Tata Steel has gone through many transitions, a lot of challenging periods. If you remember in the 1990s, mid-90s, they rationalized their workforce from 80,000 to 40,000, almost half that. And there was no union protest. They were completely peaceful and managed very well. And they always had modernization expansion programs. So Tata Steel has survived. It has done well. A lot would ride on what Mr. Mystery would do and the person he selects as a managing director, which looks like it would be Kaushik Chatterjee. The immediate deadline for us to look out would be December 2013 because that's when they would first start commissioning first of the units in Kalinganagar. If they're able to meet that deadline, which would mean that they are on track to meet the eventual deadline of October 2014 for the plant. And that would be a good start for them to see through this tough time.
and whenever the next big story breaks from Tata, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again. Another story on the Tatas. We will surely keep our eyes and ears open, Abhishek, surely. Great. Thanks a lot, Prince, for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Abhishek. Thanks. Great talking to you. Thank you. And all your listeners, you can get this podcast as usual on ForbesIndia.com as well as TheIndicars.com. And in some other stories that might interest you from this issue is how Samsonite is heading towards small town India. And internationally, a startup named Lookout has beaten security giants like McAfee and Semantic. Subscribe to us on iTunes. To have someone contact you from Forbes, just message Forbes to 51818.